appreciate that. Uh, we're in a series called um, Let Me Ask You a Question, and it's based on the book Let Me Ask You a Question. <laughs> and um, one of the cool things about this series is I was able to, the, the author, who's a Yale professor, uh, was kind enough to spend 50 minutes with me on the phone and answer a bunch of questions that I have. So I'll be, I'll be kind of sharing his thoughts on some of this stuff while we talk about it. But like we announced, uh, there's still time to get into a small group. This, what we're hoping is that everyone will um, get a book at least, and so you'll get a book, and you can follow along with us. We do a chapter a week, and there's, there's uh, six questions that Jesus asks, and um, hopefully you'll read the chapter, and then there's a um, uh, different ways to just, in the morning, have a quiet time, a little reflection time, uh, during the week that goes over these questions, and then hopefully you'll be involved in a small group, and you'll be able to discuss what you're thinking about, how you're reading what you're reading, and um, it'll be a really great time to grow. But we'll be going through this in the next uh, six weeks, and we're super excited about that. And just to reiterate one other thing that Lisa had talked about, uh, and it's going to make her it's like super embarrassed, but Maya, really, thank you very, very much. Uh, I got a, uh, I got a phone call at seven in the morning from the worship leader going, we have an emergency, which I don't know about you, but I handle those things really well. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a control freak. I just, it just all just runs off my back. So, um. Um, but then I said, okay, um, she said, but he said, don't worry, Maya's got it all taken care of. And then I was like, oh, Maya, sweet. Okay, cool. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, so we talked last week in the introduction about um, these questions that we have. And, um, and what questions do is they reveal our values. Okay, so 
you can, you can say to somebody, um, uh, you know, to your kids, I just want you to do your best. But after every soccer game, you say, did you win? <laughs> then your value is winning is really important to you. And so questions, the questions that we come up with really talk about uh, our, our values. And so, uh, and the, the other thing they do is they reinforce values. And so uh, the people around you, you might not know this or not, but they are expecting your questions. And so their behavior has to do with a pre, uh, kind of like a, uh, preemptive strike to whatever your question is. So if you have a spouse and they ask a certain question of you every day or uh, at certain different times, you're going to behave in a way uh, that, that, uh, that, re that reinforces those values and it reinforces those behaviors. And so, uh, but the, the fourth thing that I'm really interested in and that I'm hoping we can really dive into is that questions reveal weakness. They reveal our insecurities. If somebody says to me, um, do you really love Lisa? Because I do, it just, that question doesn't bother me. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about it, right? But if, they, if, if we were having struggles, I'd be like, what do you mean, do you mean by that, right? Because it reveals an insecurity. It reveals a weakness because that might be something I'm struggling with. And so you probably have questions like that. Maybe a boss will ask you a question, and it just sets you off. Like that, that question, like, did you get your work done? Like, why does he keep asking me that? Well, there's something happening inside that that question is uncovering. And so what we want to do during these next six weeks is have these different questions that Jesus would ask us, that would look into our soul a little bit, and that we would have the um, courage to uncover what's going on inside of us. And so what we want to do this morning is look at the first question, and uh, Jesus actually asked this question to, two, to, to a group of people, his disciples, he asked the question, and then right after that, right after he asked this question, they move on into Jericho, and he asked the same question to somebody else, and so I, I wanted to look at what that is, and so here, here we are here, James and John, the two sons of Deb Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, teacher, we want you, to do, uh, uh, want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And for anyone who's had kids, this is just like total, like a kid move, right? Like, hey, dad, I, my kids used to do this. Dad, just say yes. And I'm like, no. You know, like that, that was it. As a matter of fact, if they, were, if they were here right now, they'd all be shaking their head. Yeah, I, parents don't fall into this trap. So, there's a really good chance Jesus isn't going to fall into this trap. Like, say, say that, you know, just do whatever we ask you to do. And um, Jesus asked this question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, they have something already in their mind. But this question, as I've been meditating on it all week long, I have to ask myself. What do I want Jesus to do for me? What, 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 am I, what am I looking for in my relationship with Jesus, really? You know, I, I, I have the weird uh, reality of being employed by the church of Jesus Christ, okay? So my relationship with Jesus, like, is weird because I get paid to have a relationship with Jesus, I guess. And it better be good or else uh, I, I won't get paid to do that anymore if, if it's not good. But I, I was asking him, 
What, what do I want you to do for me? Do I, 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 do I want you to give me peace? Do I want you to uh, make me comfortable? Like, why do I have this relationship with Jesus? And this is why I'm excited about this book, because we rarely think about those things. And so Jesus asks them, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you're seeking? And their answer reveals what's going on inside of them. And your answer is going to reveal what's going on inside of you as you really probe this and you really begin to ask God for the things you really want to ask him for. There's a great line in the book that says, um, it's better to be disappointed by not having your question answered the way you want than to try to go through it alone. And so he says, what, what, what do you want me to do for you now? Of course, there it's the disciples, so they get it wrong. Uh, they said to him, grant that we may sit uh, one on your right and one on your left in your glory. And uh, so what they're really asking for is they believe Jesus was the Messiah, um, but not the way you and I would think of Messiah. They didn't think of the whole death, three days resurrection thing. That was not in their plans. Now, he had mentioned it over and over again and at one time, Peter said, um, you know, may it never be, and Jesus basically calls Peter Satan, which is not good, just so you know. Uh, I went to seminary. If Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, after you said something, um, that's not a good thing. And so uh, he, they, they asked for this thing. They, they expected him to, to, to overthrow Rome. They were, uh, uh, Israel was an occupied country at this point, and the Romans were in control, and they, these different messiahs had risen up at different times, and the Roman army had squished them. But no one had been like healing people, feeding people, like he was the perfect person. And so they're saying, when you, when you conquer... We want to be basically your two generals, okay? <laughs> so that's what they ask for. And here's something I just want you to notice. Jesus answers way differently than I would have as a parent. <laughs> like, if my kids tried to pull that thing on me, like, hey, just say yes, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. What, what do you want? Uh, we want ice cream for dinner. You know, like, that's what we want to eat for dinner. I'd be like, what? No, stop. Go, go to your room. Go pick up your room. Go do something. Get, get out of here. That's a ter terrible question. How much more would Jesus say, are you guys out of your minds? Like, get out of here. I'm getting two more disciples. Which one are you? James? John? Okay, good. Get out of here. We're getting two more. I'm going to do a poll. We'll find out who can do it. No, he doesn't do that. This is what he says. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Your, your, your mindset is totally skewed. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Like, do you understand what you're really, really asking? And, and this is just, I just want, if, if you remember anything from this morning, I want you to be let off the hook for the things that you ask Jesus. He's not going to be upset with you. He wants to have a conversation. So even if you ask for the completely wrong thing, okay, he's not up there going, oh, I, if, you, I, if you ask that, oh boy, I'm, oh, here it comes. No, he's like, what, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? 
And so he asked them, like, guys, are you, really to, are you ready to go? Are you ready to take it all the way to death? Are you, are you able? And then, so James and John are called the sons of thunder, okay? So they're kind of, you can imagine what they look like. They're very brash. Um, they said to him, we are able. <laughs> we're, we're able. Now, Jesus doesn't say then, you're so arrogant. You know, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't, you know, why are you even talking to me about this? You know, he continues the conversation, which is what he wants to do for you. When you say, okay, God, this is what I want. So, so uh, I'll give you a little example. You guys know this about me. Uh, people tell, you know, say like, you know, I, there's not enough money to make anybody happy, like, tr- truly happy. So my number's $2 million. That's my number, right? That if I had $2 million, I've already spent it. I already know where it's all going. It's all planned out. I, I feel really good about myself. And so I, I took the author up on this, and I said, I'm just going to ask Jesus for $2 million, okay? And now you're looking at me like, wow, we, we really need a new pastor. That's okay. I get that. I get it because I'm going to have $2 million. I won't care. Well, I'm gonna be a, I'll be at home. I'll be at home. I have a big old TV and stuff. And I'm like, hey, I wonder what's happening with Living Spring. Oh, and I would tithe so you guys would have 200 grand, so that's good. Uh, but... but uh, and so, you know, but, but it's, the reason I wanted to ask him for $2 million, because maybe he'll give it to me and that would be awesome, but uh, was I wanted to go through the process of like having this conversation with him, like, like to have him say, do you really think $2 million, like, what, like where'd you even come up with that number? I'm like, I don't know, I just, it just seemed like a good number to me, I, uh, and, and to just go through it. He says, we're able, and watch what he says. He continues the conversation. Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. You are going to, it is going to cost you your life. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for uh, those for whom it has been prepared. And what's really fascinating about this, and you'll read this in your chapter, is that there's another time, Jesus, that, that the right and the left is mentioned, and it's during his crucifixion when there's somebody on his right and somebody on his left. And in fact, that's when Jesus was in his glory. That's what he came to do, was to die for our sins. And so here's what happens. Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant. So the other ten, because they wish they had thought of it, okay? They're you know, they like, what are you doing? You're trying to get in the place of honor. And Jesus calls them to himself. And this is what he says. And again, this is why I'm just so excited for you guys to go after this what do you want him to do for you and to have this conversation with jesus because he will have the conversation with you he will not shame you he won't tell you your question is stupid he won't say that he'll never do that for you he wants to have this conversation because he wants to know what is happening inside your soul that you need this particular Thing. So he calls them all together. Hey, come on. He doesn't sit them down and go, you should all be ashamed of yourself. He gives them this teaching moment. He says, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but it is not this way among you. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying to them. What you're asking for is too little. It's too small. You want to you lord over people? Oh, I can do so much more in your life than that. 
You think $2 million is going to, like, solve all your problems? Trust me, it won't, okay? If it did, I'd give it to you. But the fact that I haven't given it to you is, is probably not the best thing for you. Um, although that Mustang would be nice. I will not <laughs> lie. <laughs> whoever, uh, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Now, here's what Jesus is offering them. And this is really sweet. And, and being on his right or left couldn't do this. What Jesus is offering them is, I want to get you to a place where you don't have to be right. That's what I'll give you. I'll give you the ability to not have to be first in line. I'll give you the ability to be able to sit back and watch someone else succeed. That's awesome. I'm going to give you a gift, and this gift is selflessness. So that you won't have to spend a minute of your day wondering who's going to take care of me. That you'll be so secure in our relationship that you'll be able to take care of others. That's the gift I'm going to give you. But you wouldn't have known that you needed it until you asked for whatever it is you want him to do for you. He says, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. I'm going to get you to a place where you don't need to be first. That's a pretty awesome gift, right? And it's available to all of us. But we first have to begin the conversation with him. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, so the question in the book and the question I have for you is, what is truly worth wanting? What is truly worth wanting? A million dollars, two million dollars, my, my terrible analogy, that's not really worth wanting. I mean, it would be nice, I guess, but that's not truly. What, what's, what I'm asking for is security. That's the true thing I'm asking for. I didn't grow up with any money, and so two million dollars just seems security to me. But guess what? <laughs> this is just so cool. I already have that in the arms of my Heavenly Father. I already have that. It's just stepping into the reality of what is already available to me through Jesus. What is worth wanting? Is security even worth wanting? And this is the question you're going to be talking about in your small group as you reflect. So he has this great thing and he asks the disciples, or uh, basically uh, James and John, but then it spills out into the rest of the disciples, what do you want me to do for you? And then immediately from there, they go to Jericho. So they came to Jericho. And what's cool about this, so Jericho is a very, very old city. It's, it might be one of the oldest inhabited cities in history. Okay, so at this point, there would have been people in Jericho for about 8,000 years. And so it's like a really cool city. If you read it in the uh, Old Testament, um, when Joshua, Moses had to stay back, into the, they were heading into the promised land, and Joshua goes into that. And for those of you who are my age and who have gone to church your whole life, you know, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Okay, you got know that one? Okay, good. That was fantastic. Hey, Maya, I'll take the last song. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So what happens is he, they, they march around Jericho for seven days, and on the seventh day, they march around seven times, because in the Bible, seven's a cool number, and so, uh, and the walls just, like, fall down. So, so this has a lot of rich history for the Jews, but the Bible doesn't say what Jesus did in Jericho. 
It just says he went to Jericho. And then it just says, and as he was leaving Jericho. You're like, what? Why would you even mention it? Well, he went to Jericho, now he's leaving. And with his disciples and a large crowd. This gives you the idea of why James and John started asking. Like, it was going good. So we're in, a, we're in election year this year. Uh, polls were up for Jesus, okay? He was winning in all the polls. And he had a lot of followers, okay? And so, um, I almost made a political joke. Okay, forget that. Uh, and so there's this large crowd. So it's, there's a lot of success, okay? So a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, just so you know, just a little treat, Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. Bar just means son of, so the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Now, you have to understand in this particular uh, time, if you were blind, um, it was either because of some sin you did or God was judging you or um, because they couldn't answer the question, um, if God's so good, then why does bad things happen? You must be bad then. That's the conclusion they came to. As a matter of fact, there was one time Jesus walked by a, a man born blind and the disciples literally asked Jesus, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus is like, nobody sinned. What are, you what are you doing? And so then he just healed him. It was cool. It was a great story, one of my favorite. Um, so he's sitting by the road. When he heard it was Jesus, the Nazarene, this is so cool, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, this is messianic language here, have mercy on me. So there's this blind beggar, and he's sitting on the road, and he just hears that Jesus is coming. And the only thing he can do is just cry out to Jesus. Just say, hey, this is my only shot. Do you know how vulnerable you have to be to be in that state on the side of the road begging and you cry out and there's crowds everywhere and Jesus is like winning all the polls. There were many, there were many were sternly telling him to be quiet. You're an embarrassment. Jesus is too busy for you. Uh, we have it all together. We're part of the in crowd. You are, for some reason, God is not working with you the way he works with us. And so you just be quiet. And I just want to talk. I don't know how many of you are in here. But if you don't feel like you're worthy enough to cry out to Jesus, that's not Jesus talking. That's not Jesus talking. That's maybe you talking to yourself or somebody in your childhood talked to you and you got to this place where you're like, oh my, oh John, if you knew, if you knew what I had gone through, oh man, if you knew what I did, Jesus doesn't want to talk to me. It's in those deepest, most vulnerable places that we have to cry out to Jesus. And he didn't have any theological thing. He's just like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's his only thing. So they tell him to be quiet. <laughs> this is so cool. I really like this guy. But he kept crying out all the more. In other words, he's at this place where he's like, what are you guys going to do to me? Like, what are you going to do? Make me blind? Oh, already done. Okay. Like, what are you, oh, you're going to take away all my money? Don't have any. Like, this is where I'm at. And so he just keeps crying out all the more. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And the next three words that the author of Mark penned. I want you guys to get this down. Here's this beggar. 
He's in a total place of vulnerability. He's in a place of shame, right? He has to beg for money. And all he can say is, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. He stopped. The campaign was going great. They just got out of Jericho, probably healed some people, probably kissed a few babies. Everything's going good. Got the whole Messiah thing going. And there's this blind beggar, and Jesus stops. You know why he stops? Because that's what Jesus does. That's who he is. We had just heard the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Not the many important, not the wealthy, not the educated, not the beautiful, for everybody. And wherever you are in your life, if you cry out to Jesus, he will stop. Now, now it's a little different because he's in his glory. And so but he will listen. And he says, call him here. <laughs> this is so cool. I, sometimes I read too much into the Bible. But I just love the fact that he tells the people that were telling him to be quiet to go, do, go get him. Hey, you guys who are all saying, be quiet, be quiet. I want you guys to go get him. You help him over here. Call him to me. And so here's what they say, because people are stupid. <laughs> they called the blind man saying, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. Like, I could just picture Bartimaeus going, weren't you guys the guys just telling me to be quiet? Now you're telling me to take courage? I had courage. I was yelling over you, telling me to stop. And so he throws, over, throws aside his cloak, and he jumped up and came to Jesus. I want you to get this picture here, because this is, this is how it probably went down. So he had his cloak, wore it to wherever. He probably begged there every single day, okay, at the, at the city gates or whatever. That was kind of his spot. And he would take off his cloak, and he would most likely put it over his legs so that when people threw him change, it would go like, like he'd have like a little cup, kind of like a little basin that he made with his cloak, and then he would tie that all up, and he would go home. What does he do? He throws it aside. This thing I did every day, begging for coins, it's a totally new deal now because Jesus is paying attention. The way you typically manage your life, once Jesus comes in, it's a totally different deal. You throw that stuff aside. There's no need for it. Jesus, the son of David, is here. And he's ready to have mercy. And answering him, Jesus said, the very same thing he says to his disciples. What do you want me to do for you? And at this point, that beggar could have asked for anything. He could have said, I don't want to beg anymore. I just, can you do an I dream a genie and just make my bank account like, like Pastor John asked for? Two million dollars. Can you do that? No? Oh, okay. What do you want me to do for you? It's the same question he's got for you and me. What is it that you want Jesus to do for you? You want to get over something? You want to add something, as Travis was talking about in this Lenten season? Set something aside? Maybe throw your cloak off to the side? You want to add something, maybe some time with Jesus? So 
I asked the author, I said, as you've led, because um, he leads Yale students through this process of trying to un un uncover what it is that you would have Jesus do for you or what is worth wanting, really answering that question. I said, what's the, what's like the weirdest request you've heard? Like, you don't have to give me his name or her name, just what is, what is the weirdest thing? And he said, that's a good question. I'm like, I know, I could have been a Yale prophet. No, I didn't say that. But he says, um, he says, you know the question that comes up the most is people going, I want to believe. I, I, Jesus, I want to believe, but it's hard for me to believe. Is that you? Have you ever been there? I've been there. I want to believe. I, I really do, but I can't. When our son was going through the, the depths of his uh, epilepsy, people would pray for healing. I wanted so badly to believe it was going to work. I really did. I, I just be like, God, I, I just don't think you're going to heal him, to be honest, if I can be honest. And you know what he did? He didn't chastise me. He said, okay. Well, now we know where you stand and we know where I stand and let's move through this. What do you want? And so if that's you, if you're just like, man, I'm trying this Jesus thing and I, I, I like desperately want to believe, but I can't, ask him. Ask him, God, help me believe. There's a section in scripture that he says, he says do, you do you believe? And he and, and says, yes, Lord, I believe. And the very next sentence is, help my unbelief. There's somebody in the Bible does that. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, okay, I see where we're at, you double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. He doesn't do that. He says, okay, now we're starting someplace. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you just say to Jesus, Lord, help me, help me believe, help me see what I need to see. What do you want me to do for you? Here's what he says. Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. I want to regain my sight. Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. <laughs> you know what's really cool about this? We, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you probably have an idea of what faith is. I, I don't quite know what, like I don't, where, where, I don't know where the faith showed up. Like because he yelled loud or like he just found Jesus and he's like, I, have mercy on me. He's like, okay, what do you want? I'd like to heal. Be healed. Okay, your faith has made you well. Where's the faith? Here's the faith in answering the question in the first place. What do you want him to do for you? And to get to a place in your soul where you go, okay, here's my answer. That takes a lot of faith to believe that he'll listen. Will, will he heal? I don't know. I don't know if you're like me. I've been a Christian for a long time, but he, the author mentions it in the book. Matthew mentions it in the book. I, I'll pray myself out of him healing or doing something. Have you ever done that? If you've been a Christian for a long time? So here's, here's how a prayer would go. Dear Lord, uh, yeah, I pray for my dad and uh, healing his, um, you know, his cancer or whatever. And 
No, Lord, I know, but I also know that you're sovereign, and so if you don't, I get that. Like, you're letting them off the hook. Like, like you know, hey, look, I know you're busy, and, you know, and, and so, you know, and I know at the end of the day, everybody dies except for Elijah and you, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I get all that, and so, and by the time you're done with your prayer, it's like, uh, do whatever you want. You know, like, that's, that's, have you ever done that, or is it just the pastor that needs to be fired? Okay, no, good. Well, uh, but that's what I'll do. But to truly just say, God, I want the cancer gone. That's what I want you to do for me. Amen. And then begin this conversation with him. That takes a lot of faith, does it not? He says, your faith has made you well. And immediately, uh, he regained his sight and began following him on the earth. 